0: There it
1: goes. hear me ask if you would announce that a bmw alarm is going on okay hey guys we'll get started hey we'll get started in a minute but hey i got an announcement There is an alarm going off in the parking lot. In the parking lot. Hey, if you, who drives a BMW? Anybody? Anybody? Do you drive a BMW? Because if you do, your alarm might be going off in the parking lot. And you should go check that. Your BMW? Huh? Hey! Are you Aaron? Yes. Hi! I'm Amber.
0: Okay, perfect. And you're? Jamie. Jamie, good to see see. see you guys.
1: Okay, I was just going to go ask my friend. If she had seen y'all. So come this okay. way. Hi. Jamie? Erin? Jamie. Hi. And so Hi. they need groups. And so, so
0: no. I'm Andrea. Andrea,
1: okay. Yeah. Um so I think Jamie with you, and then I'll talk to Stephanie yeah. and Okay. Okay.
0: okay. okay.
1: Jamie, join my group. Yep. Okay. We'll You're right here. And you come with me.
0: wheres okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Where is, where'd they go?
0: Um, Meredith. Okay.
1: Somebody asked about name tags. Okay. Oh, yes. Name tags. Hey. Okay, you think they were trying to Hi, Hi CUNY. Hi. I'm going to call you out and have you wave your hand. Okay. Um, I got a new person for your group. Perfect, okay. Erin, Meredith. Are you? Meredith nice Aaron, you. And y'all are going to be best friends. Not really. Maybe you will, but they have an awesome group. So, okay, thank you. You're
0: welcome. Perfect. Okay, this is a really cute dress,
1: too. What's that? Did you
0: find
1: some? Yes. Oh, good job.
0: And I have more rosters, and now I'm worried that the rosters are out there. It could be Tuesday. Rosters. You mean like schedule? It.
1: It'll say at the, no Wednesday. Yeah. It's I'm Wednesday.
0: The ones already
1: out there. Oh sure yeah. There. Hi. How are you? It's Tuesday. Ah, it's Tuesday. You did? That's a good song. And who was it that needed name tags?
0: Ah. Wait.
1: Do you want your group to have name tags? Yes. Who said
0: they need <laughs> What's it? it? What are you
1: going to make people do for name tags? I don't know. Make
0: them do the
1: way. I can't remember who said it.
0: Was it? Somebody. Was it? Was it Caroline?
1: Who was it? Did you say you wanted name tags? Did you say you wanted name tags?
0: Oh, yeah, can we that to yeah. for today? Yeah. So we do, we do. Is that OK? OK. Yeah. You know others, um, Who said that? Hey. Yeah, it's open. Did you say 18 months?
1: They are or not? not? OK. Did you say you wanted name tags? I can't. Who said it? I can't remember.
0: Are they in the back? Name tags? Okay.
1: Are we good? I'm only announcing hospitality. Is there anything else? Look, you have the recording on. You're good. He told me to do it. Yeah. Um, I was like, I'll forget. Tell people if they didn't get a schedule last week. Okay. Oh, excuse me. Okay. Hi, Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday night. My name is Amber and I'm your host here. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you, Stephanie. Hey guys, I'm Amber and we got to get started because I'm your hostess tonight, but I'm also teaching and I'm super long winded. So we got to get going. Okay. Couple announcements. First, if you did not get a, a schedule, They're up here. If you did get a schedule tonight, if you picked one up, make sure it says Wednesday at the top because otherwise you'll be here on the wrong day. So there's a schedule. And then the only other announcement we have is all the waters, see Andrea modeling over here, the waters, (laughs) the the popcorn, all this stuff. Um, People set that up and you could be one of those people. And so, you should find a friend and say, "Hey, just once this semester, let's just go early and serve the women of our Bible study and we'll set stuff out." It really is not hard, Ellen. Is it hard? No. It's not hard. Ellen's been here every week so far. Okay. Like, with two people, take 15 minutes. Yeah, it's not hard. So you get here early, there's a sign-up genius, your leaders will tell you more. Um, it's super fun. It's really fun. Um, okay. So, Tonight, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with, um, first of all, y'all, I found us a theme song. And so actually, my girls, I have an an 18 and a 20-year-old. And when I told them in the spring that we were doing Ruth, they're like, oh, mom, do you know the the Boaz song? And I was like, no. Does anybody know the Boaz song? No. Guys. You are in for a treat. So, with no further ado, and if you're anything like me, this will be in your head for the rest of the week. I am so sorry. Here we go. There you go, guys. There you go. And there will be extra credit. If you want to perform that song, (laughs) you have a spot. You can do it. Um, So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk through We're going to recap first. Then we'll pray. Then we're going to get into tonight's stuff. So a quick recap. So this is audience participation. And so you guys can just shout out answers. talking about Ruth the last couple of weeks so Ruth and her family moved from Bethlehem to Moab and why did they move to Moab? Famine, Famine. you guys are great. Um, and then what happened to Ruth's husband while they were there okay and then her sons yep rewind Naomi yes, you're right. Naomi, first, her husband died, and then the sons what did they do? Well, before they died, they got married. And then they also died. Um, and then she hears news from Bethlehem. What was that news? Right. The famine is over. And so that she decides to go back, and who goes all the way with her? To, to, yes, Ruth goes all the way. She makes a commitment to Naomi and to God, and they go back to Bethlehem together. So that's where we, that's where we stopped last week. And so Chris, good job on that recap, guys. Um, And Christine, the first week, talked about this diagram. She talked about how God is the purposeful author and hero of every story. And he is the one who defines our identity, and he invites us into a life of influence. So that, it is exciting. And it should be like every every time we open the book of Ruth, some of these things should be kind of coming to our minds. It's kind of exciting. Um, And then last week, Andrea talked about this, how we react to the crises in our lives, tell people around us, this is like a glare right on the thing, what we believe about God. And so this week, we're gonna talk about three main characters, Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz. And as we talk about them, we're gonna talk for each of them about their situation, their response, and their influence. And so I'll be saying those words a lot. So each one, situation, where, where do they find themselves, what's their response to their situation, and then what's their influence as a result And so as I was looking at these, I had my whole outline. And until earlier in the week, I kept going, I don't have a bottom line like Andrea had or Christine had. I just keep going back to hers. But it's different because Boaz this week, we'll see he was not in crisis. He was was in a pretty great place. And so I changed Andrea's. I totally stole it and changed it to this. How we react to everything shows everyone what we believe about God. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight, and I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll dig in. God, I just thank you for, I thank you for the stories that you tell, I thank you for the story that you're telling in each of our lives, and God, I pray that we would be able to see you more clearly, that we'd be able to see us, ourselves, more clearly, and that you would change us as a result tonight, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So where we're going tonight is this. So for Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, so for each of them, remember our three things that we're going to talk about a situation, a response, and their influence. So first up is Naomi. Um, So what do you know about Naomi's situation? We talked a little about it in the recap. Somebody yell something out. What was her? She's a widow. She's lost both of her kids. She's moved away. Now she's moving back. Um, She has had an extreme amount of loss. Um, So she's grieving and she's sad. She describes herself as empty. Um, When I think about her situation, Um, there, y'all, there are so many things in the book of Ruth. I, I taught English for a while. And so the, the literary parts of this book make me really like crazy excited. So here's the, here is a parallel thing that I think is amazing. So Naomi leaves Bethlehem because it was empty, but she was full. And then she goes back to Bethlehem because it was full but she was empty. I mean, the parallel of those things and the visual of famine in her life and the famine that had nothing to do with food, but her loss, it's so powerful. And so that's her situation. She comes back to Bethlehem empty. And so um, what's her response? So this is her situation. It's pretty obvious to everyone around her but in case we didn't know from just seeing her situation what does she say that her response that her status is what's her response what word did she use bitter, bitter. yes so she said her response is bitterness um she says she says don't call me Naomi she responded instead Call me Mara, for the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi? When the Lord has caused me to suffer, and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me. So when I was thinking of this, the um, her name is Mara, um, which in other languages does not mean bitter, and. So that just needs to be, that just needs to be made, made clear. Um, but it would be sort of like this. If I said, don't call me Amber, like in the, in the Hebrew, the word for bitter is Mar. So she's, it's a play on words, right? She's saying, don't call me, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because it means bitter. So it'd be like, if I said, don't call me Amber, call me Maddie, cause I'm mad. Right? Like it's that kind of play on words that she's, she's, she's been a little sassy. And so when I was looking up, like, what is bitter? What does bitter mean? This is a formula that I think is pretty, pretty clear. Bitterness equals anger and sadness and time. And so when she's had all of these things, she's had loss. She's had anger. She's had sadness. And so she is feeling bitter. And as I was looking up, just you know, Googling definition of bitter, um, Psychology Today helped me out with this. Here's what they say about being bitter, that I can be, these are the signs of being bitter. So I'll be irritated about things that should not make me irritated. I feel in my relationships like people do not understand me, they don't get it. And then I feel like my future will never be happy. And if that doesn't describe Naomi in this situation, I don't know what does. She is like, call me bitter. There is no happy. I'm gonna come back for the bread in the house of bread in Bethlehem. I'm gonna come back for that. I'm gonna be with Ruth, but I'm, I'm bitter. Um, and then the other way, so one way she responds is bitterness. The other way she responds is blame. And who does Naomi blame? Yeah. She is not shy about, about blaming God. Um, Back to that same verse. She says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has caused me to suffer. She calls him almighty. So she knows that he is powerful. And that he has he has a plan, he has a purpose. Um, so I don't I know that there are a lot of hard stories in this room, and I imagine that uh, most, if not all of you, have found yourself in a place of feeling um, grief or bitter um, to some degree or another. And so my journey through that started in my mid twenties when my mom died. And I was mad. Um, and so he, this is the verse that did not encourage me during that time. Um, and it's from Hebrews 11. And it says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God, that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So I read this and I was like, okay, yes, I have faith. I believe and that last part tripped me up, y'all. I was like, I totally believe that God is powerful and that he has a plan, uh, without a doubt, no problem. But that last part, that he is kind to me, um, I, was, uh, I was right there with, with Naomi. Um, it did not feel, I was in full-time ministry and I was like, earnestly seek him, like this should apply to me, right? And instead, I felt like I believe, I'm not going to believe anything different, but this is really, really hard. So we'll see where Naomi gets with this. Um, lastly, her influence. And um, who do you, who obviously has Naomi influenced up to this point? Ruth. Ruth has, has some knowledge of God because of her relationship with Naomi, and she has she has chosen to follow God she's chosen to to bind herself to Naomi and be loyal because of Naomi's influence like she she couldn't just be a horrible person Naomi had, Ruth had the chance to go back but she loved Naomi and chose to stay because of that influence and the other thing this is the other thing that I think is exciting about Naomi's influence in the middle of her brokenness and bitterness and vocal um, anger with God Um, but this is only one chapter of her life and so oh my gosh do you just hope that people do not judge your influence and story based on one chapter of your life because I definitely do not want people to do that and so when I look at this one chapter for her um, I get really excited because again, that literary part of this book, there are things that say she's coming back in harvest and there's this relative of theirs and there are words that, that bring us a little bit, a hint of hope. And so I know, well, we've all, you know, we've all read some of it, but she's, she has more of her story to be written. And so if she's in this place of bitterness and this place of sadness and grief, um, it's not the end of her story. Um, I think the most interesting thing that I read in the last couple weeks was a, do y'all know what cross references are? In In a Bible, in the middle, there's like these tiny little Like, you can hardly read them verses that are from other books or from somewhere else in the book. And so one of those, they're like clues in a mystery, right? Like, you look at this. Some of them just make me go, oh, that's cool. And some of them make me go, oh, my mind is blown. And so this was this one. So here's the story. Moses, the people of God, Israel, is in captivity in Egypt. They are there for 400 years. Moses is the guy who gets them out with, like, the Lord's hand is on him. He takes them out across the Red Sea. If you've seen the Charlton Heston movie, it's like crazy. <laughs> the sea is parted. The whole nation crosses over. And then they're in the, they're, the Egyptians are no more. and they're. And here's where it starts. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea. This is Like they have just sung praises, literally verse 21. They're singing praises. Um, And they go into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Mara, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Mara, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it in the water, and this made the water good to drink. I am not even going to pretend that I understand the the wood in the water thing, so don't even, you can, I don't know. But here's what I do know, that the bitterness that was happening, God did not take them to a different place. He did not change their circumstance. He did not, like, make it something different. He intervened, and the water was changed. And that to me, uh, that's where I just go, oh my gosh, that's what Naomi, Naomi probably knew this story. And so when she says, I'm Mara, I'm, I'm bitter. What she needs is some sort of intervention. And because, of, because we know there is, there is hope coming, it makes me go, okay, hang in there, Naomi, it's gonna be okay. And it makes me say that to me. And when I look at my life and places that I'm bitter, God did not change the story. He just intervened and he made me not bitter. (sighs) Okay. He also changed the grumbly Israelites, right? Like all of a sudden they they didn't have to grumble. They had something to drink. I love this story. Okay. Next, her influence. We talked about it's only one chapter. Okay, Ruth. Ruth. What is Ruth's situation? What's her status? She's a widow, an outcast, she's a foreigner. What else? Vulnerable, yes. Okay, she is also empty, right? She is right up there with her mother-in-law Naomi And so she is, she's poor. They don't have anyone to take care of them. And in the culture, they needed someone to help do that. Um, She's a foreigner. She's a widow. And she's essentially an orphan. She left her whole family, whatever. We don't know about who that was, but she left her people to be in a different place. So she is very vulnerable. And yet, what is her response? Her response is humility. And I think, I think one of the funniest things in this is when I'm just picturing it in like a movie when Naomi goes, don't call me Naomi. I'm bitter, I went away empty. I mean, I went away, I came full, went away empty. Ah! I went away full and I've come back empty. I've come back with nothing. And Ruth's just like, hey, I'm Ruth. I'm with her. Like, how does this, like, uh, how do you even, like, I mean, she said she has nothing, but here I am. Um, okay. So, but she, I think she responds in humility because she has to say, I am poor. I have nothing. I'm a widow. Mother-in-law's also a widow. And I need to glean And so I don't have any way of making money for myself or planting a field by myself or having any form of crops grow by myself. But I'm going to walk around behind and I'm going to take um, the leftovers as the lowest member of society. That's what I'm going to do. And so. um, Yeah, yeah. So she's, she's picking up the leftovers in the field. A friend of mine um, always says this, and I think it's funny. She's like, the truth is always your friend. And so for Ruth, it is, the truth is her friend, right? Because she could try to have a really good social media page and say, I got it, it's fine guys, I got it together. Or she could have like, she could have tried to deny the truth of who she was, but it would have done no good. The truth was her friend. and the uh, she cannot. She, there's no way of her doing this by herself. This is. I found this. It's not Ruth because it is an actual photograph, and we did not have a <laughs> photograph of her. But I just. I loved seeing. Like it looks. It's a kind of a a, a close up of one part of a field, and there's this one person out there. Like, it, what a lonely place to be filled with humility, right? Like she has to say, this is, this is what I got. This is it. Um, I love this quote. Oh, you can't see it. A really humble man will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. And so I think for Ruth, I think one of the differences between her response and Naomi's response, and again, we're giving Naomi tons of leniency because she's got a, she's got a lot going on. We're not knocking Naomi, but Ruth, Ruth went, okay, this is the status of where we're at. Naomi needs something to eat too. Like, let's just, let's get going. She needs something. And so the other thing that, so humility. The other thing is she is grateful. When Boaz comes in and he's like super, he goes above and beyond and is kind to her. And and she's like falling at his feet. She's like, oh my gosh, I don't deserve this. Again, it's interlinked, right? Gratitude and humility are tied together. And she knows that none of this is because it's something she deserves. Um. Okay. And Ruth's influence, obviously, she's providing for Naomi. Like, she's influencing Naomi. Obviously, Naomi influenced her at the beginning, and now she is stepping right in, and she's like, come on, come on, here we go. There is hope. And so the other thing, the other place of influence is that others notice, right, the the, The foreman who is helping with the field, he notices, man, she works hard. Boaz notices. People have been talking. She's the one who gave up everything and came back with Naomi. Like her life was speaking something and people were, people were noticing. They were hearing. Okay. Our last guy, Boaz. What is Boaz's situation? He is rich. What else does it say? Is he single? Single. Yeah, he is single. Um, I didn't have that in my notes. That's great. So he's rich. He's single. What else? What else did it say about him? God-fearing. Yes, and he has, he has some influence, right? Like he is the who's who of Bethlehem. And so um, his life could not be any more opposite of the life of Ruth and Naomi at this moment. While they were empty, he is totally full. Like he ha- What does he need? Maybe a wife. We'll get there later. But <laughs> otherwise, he has, he has what he needs, right? He, he has an abundance. Um, so he has wealth and influence, and he has kindness. Like, even the way he greets the the people in the field, he's like, the Lord be with you. Like, he's kind. He's not speaking down to them. And the reason I think that's in there is to show part of his character. And so he's kind. And we know that he notices Ruth. Okay, so his response. His first response is that he is obedient to the law. Remember that this is in the time of Judges. And if you were here at New City when we went through the, um, I mean, just really awful, awful stuff is going on. The main theme is that everybody did what was right in his own eyes. And Boaz is standing here as a contrast to that and being just a really upstanding guy. And so his, his response is that he's obedient. And here's what he's obedient to specifically. These might be hard to read. Um, okay. The gist is this when you first of all, gleaning was not just something that someone went, Oh, maybe we should, maybe we just leave some stuff out. This was God's law and provision. So in Leviticus, it says, When you harvest the crops of your land, don't harvest the grain along the edges of your fields and don't pick up what the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. And then when you are harvesting, your crops and forget to bring in a bundle of grain in your field no from your field don't go back and get it leave it there for the foreigners orphans and widows then the Lord your God will bless you and all you do and what was Ruth foreigner orphan widow poor I mean do you think that I mean if you don't think that God sees you guys not that we want to be in this category but he saw Ruth decades before centuries before and he provided for her in ways that she didn't even know about and Boaz was faithful to that and it took like oh I I love it God was God was caring for Ruth through someone else right through Boaz she's being cared for by God um Okay, so he's obedient to the law, and then this was another thing that just kind of blew my mind this, this p- past couple weeks. He is a picture of grace. So, hang with me here. Um, in Ruth, it talks about this. This is, from the, um, this is from the NLT version, and it says, "'One day Ruth a Moabite said to Naomi, "'Let me go out in the harvest field "'to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who was kind enough to let me do it. And then when she, after Boaz um, is really encouraging to her, she says, it says Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I'm only a foreigner. And so we know that he's kind. So in other versions, it doesn't say kind. It says favor. And in still other versions, it says grace. And so when I'm looking at what Boaz is, he is a picture, an example of grace. So here's what I mean by that. Um, and how, mm, how this is such a cool picture of what, really a picture of what Jesus does for us and what grace means. So if grace is undeserved favor, that's kind of what it means. So think about that. Undeserved Ruth did not deserve it, and it's favor, or kindness, it's undeserved kindness. So she's getting something that she did not deserve. She did not plant the field, she did not even marry Boaz yet, so it wasn't even hers like that. She didn't, um, she didn't even reap the field. She just picked up what was left by the people who did all the work. She did not deserve that, and we, <laughs> we don't deserve what we've been given. The other thing that's interesting about grace is it has to come from outside of myself, right? that I know we, we've all probably used this, but I need to have a little grace for myself, right? I need to have a little grace for myself. And that's fine, but I think we should rephrase it. I'm not gonna judge you if you say that. But I think we need to reword it to where it's, oh, I need to go a little easier on myself. I need to show myself a little kindness in this. And I can do that, like if I say I'm gonna make my bed every day and I don't, I, sh- I can be kind to myself. I don't have to beat myself up about that because I created that law and because I created that law, I can show myself kindness in fulfilling that law. But for Ruth, uh, what I can't do is this, if I'm speeding and I get pulled over and the officer says, lady, you were speeding, I can't go, listen, listen, buddy, I'm just going to show myself a little grace here, (laughs) because why? Because that law, I didn't create that law. I don't have any authority over that law. I'm just under it, and I have to obey it. And so in the same way, Ruth didn't, didn't create the law of gleaning, but she's under it, and she didn't necessarily make herself poor. She didn't put herself in that situation on purpose. And so she needs grace to come from outside of her. There is nothing. She can't just go, hey, Naomi, I know, we're, I know we're really poor and we're widows and we have nobody to take care of us, but let's just show ourselves a little grace today. She can't do that because it has no power. Grace has to come from outside of her. And in the same way, I can't do anything to earn God's favor. I can't do anything To get him to like me more or say, oh yeah, you did a good job on that. It is me picking up what he has given that I did nothing to deserve. And Boaz is an amazing picture of that in this story. He's the one who says, yes, I have way more than I need. So much more that I'm going to give to you overflowing. And she took home more than she needed. And the story keeps getting better. But for this day, She took home more than she needed and he gave he gave grace so what's his influence oh i don't know how that happened okay his influence he has an influence on ruth and naomi physically he basically keeps them alive that's a pretty big influence and he's like like he's a part of their story now, and it's gonna it just keeps getting better. He also has an influence on the people around him because they're watching this and grace showing grace when we have an abundance is contagious. People hear him. people people hear the way he speaks with kindness and and it's contagious. And then he has an influence on us because here we are, thousands of years later, if we're talking about this guy, who was just a farmer in Bethlehem, and we can see Jesus because of his story. So so for our, our, our cast of three here, our cast of three characters, their situations, their responses, and their influences. And then here's what it is for me. So what is my current situation? and there are you know 75 people in the room and 75 different stories. So what's your situation? Are you full like Boaz? Are you in a place of plenty where you have more than you need? Or are you empty? Are you in a place where, ah, I have nothing. Call me bitter. Because the world is hard and life is hard and grieving is hard. And there is, I mean, there are painful, empty stories. And what will my response be? I want to make sure that when we talk about Naomi, that we make sure we're giving each other grace to be in a hard place, right? That it's messy and it can be ugly or scary and it's totally okay. God is not scared of it. We don't want to be scared of it. We can say things like, I don't think God is kind. And he's not going to gasp. He's going to go, it's okay, let's keep talking. Let's keep reading. And then is my, is my response, I've got nothing, but I can take one step into the field. I can take one step. Not feeling brave, not feeling like a hero, Just taking one step. Like, where am I in my situation and my response? And then where is my influence? You are each in one chapter of your life. So some of you are in a place where you're influencing people greatly. And some you're like, don't look over here. But people see, people see a struggle. And sometimes they see Jesus in the struggle. I do. I see it in I see it in myself. I see it in Naomi's of my life. We can see, we can see sometimes we need to see it for other people. Other people need to see it for us, even if we can't see it for ourselves. I think Ruth did that for Naomi, right? She's like, yes, we are empty, but I, I got you. We can do this. There is great freedom to be in any chapter of your story. And To remember, this is just one chapter. It's just one place. Let me pray for us. God, I do thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your grace that we do not deserve. Thank you for the story that you're writing in every woman in this room. And thank you that it is good. God, I pray that you would be with our time in small group and our time this week as we we reflect on your word. Um, Lord, And I thank you that your stories, your ultimate story of grace changes us forever. In Jesus' name, amen.